This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to say something, and I want you to please take it at face value only. Don't read into this and don't... Don't try to make this any more than what I'm about to say. I'm not trying to pat myself or our other guys on the back, but I want you to be thankful for the team of teachers that you have here. And so if you remember a year ago, we had a very large series on biblical evidences, proving the validity of the Bible. And I'm pretty sure not long after we finished that series, we started talking about this series Okay, and so this is something that maybe it hasn't been actively being worked on. I certainly haven't been putting this sermon together for for a year. Um, But I know we started talking about this when we finished the other series in early March or, or late February last year. And we started having meetings to to discuss topics in August of last year for this series. And so now you've got a team of teachers here who wants to teach the truth. And they want to talk about topics that, that is helpful, topics that maybe you want to learn about or that, that people don't know about so well. And so if there's something that you want talked about, go and, go and talk to one of the elders or deacons and let them know uh, something that you maybe want to learn about. And I promise you it'll get thrown in the ring. It'll, it'll be a possibility because uh, we want to teach about what people want to know about. And we want to teach the truth. Um, and so with that being said, uh, I'm not trying to pat, pat our guys on the back, but be thankful because I promise you these guys, they want to do a good job and they want to teach the truth. Uh, so today we, we begin with talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, the nature of the Holy Spirit. I was tasked with bringing introduction to the Holy Spirit. Once again, this is an eight-part series. I am, I am sermon number one, and so if your questions aren't answered today, they, and they likely won't be, please come back and, and listen to, to those other sermons. And if you, if you end up listening on podcasts, please uh, give those other seven sermons a listen, because this is the introduction, okay? And so if you've got some deep, difficult questions about the Holy Spirit, they're likely not going to be answered today when we're just overviewing and just introducing the nature of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 5 and verse number 5, a simple verse here. It says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And so you've talked to many people. You maybe have had discussions about the Holy Spirit. And you've heard people who they, they, they downgrade the importance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit. And they, they don't think the Holy Spirit does so much. But uh, they may not even think that they have the Holy Spirit at the, or that the Holy Spirit is given. And so I wanted to start by just reading one simple verse where it says the Holy Spirit, which is, or the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And so we can debate a lot of things about the Holy Spirit. We can uh, get into a lot of deep subjects and and go back and forth maybe with somebody that disagrees with you on this subject. But what we really can't disagree much on is that the Holy Spirit is a gift that's been given. And and we can't dispute that. Here in Romans 5, it says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And if you have the love of God in your heart today, 
it was placed there by the Holy Spirit. If you want to have the love of God in your heart today, it's going to be placed there by the Holy Spirit. And so I urge you not to underestimate or downgrade the, the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. Which leads me into talking about our goal with this series and, and 1A and B here. I want us to set aside our opinions and our past experiences that we've had in life. This is our goal for the series. It's our goal for our study today. And in reality, of course, it should be our goal anytime we open up the scriptures. Anytime we open up God's word, we should be willing to set aside our own opinions and the things we've experienced in life and accept the scriptures for what they say. I've said it in several sermons. Dad gave me some of the best spiritual advice I was ever given years ago when he says, sometimes you just got to read the Bible and knuckle down and believe it. Knuckle down and take it for what it says. And sometimes that's hard, but it's very simple advice. And it's helped me a lot in life. So let's do that today. Let's set aside our opinions, our experiences, and let's just accept the scriptures for what they say. I know people who... They, they're going to use their, their past and they're going to say, well, there's this time that this happened and that happened and I know that that was the Holy Spirit doing that. And that they did this in my life. And then I know people on the other end, they're going to say, well, the Holy Spirit's never done anything for me. And they've never done anything for anybody I know. And so we can, we can go back and forth and use our experiences or we can just use the Scripture Okay, so let's set our experience and our opinions aside and let's just use the scriptures. I think that's a fair way to assess any Bible topic. And so I want to set the stage by saying that. So today as as we introduce the Holy Spirit, I think we'd be remiss to not talk about the Trinity. If you are familiar, you know what I'm talking about, and if not, we'll, we'll go over the Trinity here very briefly. You may have heard it as the Godhead, or the Godhead 3. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 7, it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, we, we know, or we, we oftentimes, it seems like we, we refer to the Father as God, or the Father God. If you are familiar with uh, John chapter 1, the first uh, several verses in that chapter, and down through at least verse 14, maybe a little further, uh, it talks about how the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so we know in the Scriptures here, when we see a reference like this to the Word, it's speaking of Jesus, it's speaking of the Son, It says there's the Father, there's the Word, and then the third one there is the Holy Spirit. I want you to pay attention to the last phrase. And these three are one. These three are God. They all three bear record in heaven, and they all three are God. That is the Trinity. That is the Godhead. I found an illustration on the Internet, uh, and this is as simple as one as I could find that was accurate and so you can find a lot of illustrations I don't know that they're all accurate this one's simple I want to walk through this very quickly with you and just help you with this if you're simple-minded like me this helps and this makes sense Uh, if you're also simple-minded like me you can overthink it and it can really make your head spin and so we're going to do it real briefly and then we're going to move on before my head starts spinning 
And so here we see God. And if we reference back to that verse we just read, uh, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. First, we have the Father, okay? And the Father is God. I'll use my laser, how about that? The Father is God. And then we have the Son, or the Word. Jesus is God, the Son is God. And then we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God, and so in, in introducing this Holy Spirit and talking about his nature, we have to talk about how the Holy Spirit is God and how it is part of that Trinity. But what's equally as important as understanding that these three are God is understanding that the Father God is not the Holy Spirit. And that's just as important. While the Father is God and the Holy Spirit is God, the Father is not the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus, he is God but Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. Understand that. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus, but they are God. Okay, we're going to move on before my head starts spinning because I promise it will. We see them displayed at the beginning in Genesis. If, if we know that God is creator and that these three bear record in heaven together and that these three are one, then when we see God, we see these three. In Genesis, the first three verses there, it says, there, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, I'm going to show you a little trick that I learned one of the 11,000 times I went through the five-part study with my dad when I was growing up. Uh, and, and you're going to like this. I liked it too. It was always my favorite part. We're going to reread these three verses and we're going to see these three of the Trinity here in the beginning. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There we see the Father God. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There, there we see the Holy Ghost. There he is in creation. And we know from the verse we read just a minute ago in 1 John 5 and 7, verse number 3, here we go. And God said, there's the word. God said, let there be light, and there was light. There, there we have all three here in creation. God was there in creation, the Father. The Spirit of God was there in verse number 2. And the word was there in verse number 3. And there we have all three in the Trinity represented here in creation and all three of those we that's God for you there they were in the beginning and I think to talk about the Holy Spirit we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is not second rate to God the Father the Holy Spirit is not a second rate citizen to God the Son they are all three God and they were all three there in creation Another thing is, in reading through the scriptures, uh, once you start thinking about the Spirit, you start seeing the Spirit more, I've learned. And the Spirit is, goes by different names, we see throughout the, throughout the scriptures. In Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9, uh, we're not going to worry about necessarily the point of this verse. We'll read this verse again later. But we're just looking at, at some of the different names the Spirit's given. It says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And so here's one of the names that the Holy Spirit is referenced as here in the New Testament. It's, it's called the Spirit of God. 
It is God's Spirit. It seems pretty simple. Now, if any of you have not the Spirit of Christ, there's another one. He is none of his. Uh, Skipping down to verse 11, it says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, referencing to the Holy Spirit, that's the fancy way of saying the Spirit of God again, I guess, dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. We read the Romans 5 and 5, the spirit which is given unto us. Here it says, by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And so you might see some phrases or, or names like this that are given to the Holy Spirit as you're, as you're going throughout your studying and your reading uh, in your testament today. You will also see Holy Ghost, as, as we've already seen. You may see the Holy Spirit. Uh, but to make note and just an important thing, a real quickly, is that you might also see the word spirit and it it not refer to the Holy Spirit. And so you kind of got to be careful and maybe read into that a little bit. Uh, Not every time you see the word spirit is it, of course, talking about the Holy Spirit. So you might hear some uh, a phrase in the scripture talk about a spirit of fear or something along those lines. Of, Of course, that's not talking about the Holy Spirit. There are many more names that that the Spirit is given. We're not going to go into those. I I thought these were worth mention of. And so that's the Spirit. That is the nature of the Holy Spirit. He he is God. And the Father is God. And Jesus is God. He he goes by these different names as the Spirit of God. And so that introduces to us uh, the Holy Spirit. Kind of who the Holy Spirit is. So now, uh, for just a little bit, let's talk about the nature of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to try my best not to get into some of these other guys' topics. There's seven more, and it's very easy for me to kind of eat into some of their material. I'm going to do my best not to do that. And if I do, I'm sorry. Now, pretty simple. When, I, when we were talking and going over these sermons, I started coming up with these things about the Spirit, verses you read in the Bible, and somebody said, well, he's... To talk about the Spirit, you really got to mention that He is holy and He is Spirit. And I thought, oh, hey, that's a good place to start. The nature of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is holy. The nature of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is Spirit. And so we can't move on without, without understanding those two things. Uh, the Greek word that you're going to see when Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit might be used in the New Testament comes from Greek 40. And I chose a few of those words. There's other uh, definitions Uh, along with that Greek word, but sacred, pure, and blameless is what that means to be holy. The Holy Spirit is sacred. The Holy Spirit is pure. The Holy Spirit is blameless. Uh, Maybe sanctified or righteous were a couple of those other words. Go Go and check it on your own concordance sometime. The Holy Spirit is sacred, pure, and blameless. He he's He does the work of God. And I found this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I thought this would be a, a, an interesting way to kind of uh, talk about how the Holy Spirit is holy. It says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians uh, 6, like if you've got Esau or something, the title of this passage is Flee Sexual Immorality. And verse Uh, 18 or 17, I don't remember, says flee fornication. So that gives you a little bit of context about what is being taught here. But we have this other truth that's given here. Let's read it again. What? 
Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Don't you know that because the Holy Spirit's a gift that's been given to you, don't you know that because the Holy Spirit is in you, that your body is the temple of that Holy Spirit, and that you are not your own? He's teaching about sexual immorality here. Don't do these things. Why? Because your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is holy. The Holy Spirit is pure. And if the Holy Spirit's in you, if the Holy Spirit's been given to you, which we have from God, then don't do those things because the Holy Spirit's holy. And our body is the temple of that Holy Spirit. Uh, Verse 20, For ye are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Because we've been given this gift of the Holy Spirit, we, we have to conduct ourselves in a manner that's worthy of that Holy Spirit. We oughtn't to do things. Uh, we oughtn't to sin with our bodies. If we want that Holy Spirit in us, it reminds me of another scripture, Be ye holy, for I am holy. It's in the same line of thought. We need to be holy. Because God is holy. Because the Spirit is holy. Uh, Greek 4154. A current of air. This is spirit. We, we've looked at holy. Now let's look at spirit. Greek 4154 says of spirit. A, spirit is a current of air, a breath, or a breeze. I've done told you I'm simple minded. I might say that a few more times today. That's the spirit for you. That's the, that's the definition that we're given. And we're going to go with that, all right? That's kind of hard for me to understand. But Jesus says this same thing in more words in John chapter 3 as he's talking to Nicodemus. Uh, and he makes a little bit of sense out of that. So let's, let's go read there. Once again, uh, Jesus may be talking to Nicodemus about some other things as well. Maybe this wasn't the exact point of his overarching theme that he's talking of in John chapter 3, but we get these general truths by Jesus' teachings here. Jesus says to Nicodemus, The wind bloweth where it listeth. And when it says listeth, it means basically wherever it wants to, wherever it wishes. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And now hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit, or so is the work of the Spirit. That's how the Spirit operates. That's what Jesus is is saying here. We we are familiar with wind. And we all know that day when you walk outside and there's 30 mile an hour wind and there's gusts of 50. And you can hear the sound of the wind. You can hear the sound that the wind is making uh, in the grass or in the trees or... Uh, on my barn when it's going, you know, we, we can hear that. We, we recognize that. But Monty, is it coming or going, the wind? I don't know if it's coming or going. It's just blowing everywhere. I can't tell you whether that wind is coming or whether it's going. That's what Jesus says here. You hear the sound of the wind, you can't tell whether it's coming or going. It it may not be the easiest thing to understand, guys. But that's how the work of the Spirit is. 
The point he's saying here, you hear the sound thereof. You can hear it. We know it's there, the wind. You maybe can't define the wind, or I can't tell you how the wind blows or why the wind blows. And maybe that's the same way with the Spirit. We're told the Spirit dwells in us. We're told the Spirit's our helper, our intercessor. And maybe you've seen that in your life, but tell me how that works. Tell me how that that operation goes on in your life. Maybe not the easiest thing to define. Uh, And Jesus lets Nicodemus have it on that here in just a minute. In Romans chapter 15 and verse number 19, we see uh, in the nature of the Holy Spirit, we talk about or we see here the Holy Spirit's power and in that the Holy Spirit is God. Romans 15, 19 says, Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Ilicrum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so Paul here says that he fully preached the gospel of Christ through these mighty signs and wonders. By what? By the power of the Spirit. And so we're not going to talk about miracles and signs and wonders and we're going to leave that to Brandon here in about three or four weeks and so if you want to hear more about uh, miracles if you want to hear more about this uh, power of the spirit Brandon is going to talk about that here in here in a few months or, or here in a few weeks or a month or so and so come back and listen to that uh, as he talks about about that sermon but we know that the the Holy Spirit is powerful in that the Holy Spirit is God. And in talking about the nature of the Holy Spirit, you cannot leave that part out because the Holy Spirit is God. Okay. Now, the Holy Spirit is given to the obedient. In Acts chapter 5 and verse number 32, it says, And we are witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. We may, we'll talk about this a little bit more in just a moment, but similar to that verse in Romans 5 and 5 that we read, we have to take this as truth, that the Holy, the Holy Ghost is given by God to those that are obedient. Let me tell you, if you're obedient to God today, you've been given the Holy Spirit. And if you want the Holy Spirit, you have to be obedient to God. Let's read a, another verse uh, similar in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Uh, here, here we see Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, preaching this gospel sermon, talking to them about Jesus and how they put Jesus to death. And they say, men and brethren, what shall we do? And I love this passage of scriptures. They could ask any question and they say, because of all these things, you just told us that Jesus has been put to death and it's our fault and that we're in sin. What do we do? What should we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission, forgiveness of sins. If you want to be forgiven of your sins, repent and be baptized. What happens, Peter, when you repent and are baptized? Tell us, Peter, what goes on? He says, And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God tells us here, or Peter tells us through the Spirit that we're given this gift of the Holy Spirit when we repent and are baptized. We receive that gift. If you've repented and been baptized of your sins, 
then that gift of the Holy Ghost was given to you that day. The, the Holy Spirit is given to the obedient. And finally, as, as we begin to start wrapping up our thoughts and introducing the Holy Spirit, I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit is the helper. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the intercessor. Uh, we'll reread this verse that we read at the beginning. In, in Romans 8 and 9 it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. When you read the word quicken, uh, in the New Testament, specifically here, uh, it means to give life, to give life to. We're told that the Spirit will also, uh, or that, that G, uh, caught God, the Father rather, excuse me, shall also give life to your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in us. Uh, this, this chapter here, if you go through and you read Romans chapter 8, it's talking about a battle against carnality, a, a battle against worldliness. Uh, in verse number 6, it says, a verse you will well recognize, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is the enemy of God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. This passage here is talking about walking in the Spirit and not walking after the flesh. And so if, if you read the whole uh, passage in its context, if you want life, if you want eternal life, if you want to live and connect with God, we have to do that in the Spirit. We have to do that by walking in the Spirit in obedience to God rather than living worldly, living a worldly life and living after our own lusts and desires. And in that, the Spirit is our intercessor. The Spirit is our helper. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. Once again, if you're familiar with Ephesians chapter 6, we won't read the whole thing. It talks about the armor of God. Having your feet shod with the, uh, with the preparation of the gospel. Having the, the helmet of, of, maybe it's the shield of faith. I'm, I'm blanking now. It's one of them. Faith as the helmet or the shield, one or the other. Oh, there's the helmet of salvation. I'm, I'm pretty confident it's the shield of faith then. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I want, I want to spend a little bit of time here in verse number 17. Here we read as the armor of God. If we want to be a Christian confident to walk out each and every day and battle against Satan and live a life where we can live in this world and still walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh, we're going to have to put on this armor of God. It has to be done. It's a daily battle that we as humans fight that want to be obedient to God. And you have to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Garland gave a sermon uh, several years ago, in this building anyway, 
about uh, defense and the Christian. And he, he talked a lot about the sword in that uh, sermon and how the sword was the weapon of choice in this day and time when this was written, that the sword was the weapon of choice, the best weapon, the most accessible weapon. And I'm going to take some liberties here because I have never talked to anybody who lived back then, but... If you were a soldier in this day and age, and and you were given the option to take one weapon, what what weapon would you take? And I venture to guess that a soldier would not want a slingshot. That a soldier would not want a a bat or an axe or a rock or even the bow and arrow. If you don't know what battle you're going to face, if you can have one weapon, what weapon are you going to choose? You're going to choose the sword. It was the weapon of the day. It's, it stayed right there on your hip. It was a lot longer than a knife, so it was better. It was not only a weapon of offense, but it was a weapon of defense. The sword was the weapon of choice at this time. And I say all this to, to illustrate a point. We're told to take the sword of the Spirit. At the time when this was written, the the best weapon, the most utilized weapon, the most easily accessible weapon, a dangerous weapon, a sharp weapon, dare I say the best weapon of the Spirit is the Word of God. The most accessible weapon is the Word of God. The favorite weapon of the Spirit, the Word of God. We're told that the Spirit is the helper, the Spirit is the intercessor. If you want the help from the Holy Spirit today, use His best weapon. Use His greatest weapon. Get into the Word of God if you want help from the Spirit. Back into Romans chapter 8 here. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. The Spirit helps our weaknesses, in other words. that The Spirit sees where we're weak, and it's a helper in those weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. We don't even know what to pray for. We're not even good at it. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit makes intercession. The Spirit is a go-between with us and God. And he searcheth the hearts and knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Here we see a a little illustration of how the Spirit is our helper, how the Spirit is our intercession, intercessor, in our infirmities, where we need help. You know, as I begin to think about this verse and how I would talk about this verse, it, it occurred to me that I pray in English. English is just a human language. And I wonder, does God hear in English? I don't know. I suppose God hears in a different way than, than we talk. And we, we speak in English. And 
There's only so many letters and words in the English language that we could say or, or speak. There's only so many words that I can use to pray. But, but God's not limited by that. It's not something I think of often. God's not limited by the English language. And we're told that the Spirit helps in our prayers. When, when we don't know what to pray for, when we don't know how to pray, that God or that the Spirit makes intercession in those times. We know that, I assume that the Spirit has this uh, intercession between us and God and, and speaks to God and deals with God, maybe that's the best way of putting it, that the Spirit deals with God in a language that we cannot understand, in a language that, that we cannot speak, and that the, the Spirit helps in that way. We, we, we don't think about that because all I speak is English. And all I know how to ask for things is in English. And I just can't help but think that English is such a sorry language in the presence of God. And that the Spirit recognizes that. And when I don't know what to say when I'm praying, when I don't even know what to ask for, that the Spirit helps me in that way. The Spirit goes, this sap praying in English... I'm going to help him. I'm going to make intercession. And I'm going to take this prayer to God in a better way. And that, in a way, is, is how the Spirit is the helper and is the intercessor. One of the last points I want to look at today is how the Spirit is the earnest of heaven. Uh, we're told in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, In whom... Ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. We're told that the Spirit is the earnest. The Spirit is the down payment or the collateral, or use one of those words that you like, of heaven. And Brandon could talk to you a lot more about a down payment or about earnest money, I suppose, and telling us uh, what that's for. You go and you get a loan, you, you put earnest money down on that, don't you? I'm going to pay this loan back. And here's, here's how you know I'm going to pay it back because I'm willing to put, put up this collateral or put up this earnest money. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit is that earnest money for our promise of heaven. And that we, we are given that gift of the Spirit as that down payment that we can know that God is, is faithful in his promise of heaven. As we close this morning, as, as we wrap our thoughts up, I want to I bring in a, a, the verse we just read and I want to look at it in a little bit different way. Uh, that the Spirit is, is not the easiest thing to understand. We read John 3 and 8, that the, the wind blows where it wants to. And, and that's how this work of the Spirit is. The Bible says that the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When, when we don't have the words, the Spirit makes intercession for us. And I tried my best to highlight that a moment ago, and I uh, hope I did it at least a, a portion of justice. But in reality, the, the Spirit is a difficult thing to understand. The Spirit is, is not something that, 
that I can probably fully wrap my mind around. And I want us to remember that as we go throughout our day to day. I'm not saying don't study about the Spirit. I'm not saying don't look into the Spirit. I'm not saying don't uh, take the Spirit and understand it to the best of your ability. But know that it, it's a difficult thing to understand. And I start to get, uh, I start to wonder whenever somebody starts talking to me like they know everything about the Spirit. Because we have verses like this that say, hey, the Spirit's doing things that you don't understand. And we maybe can't understand every different aspect of that. So I urge you to keep that in mind uh, throughout this series and throughout your studies as well. We're going to do the best we can to talk about the Spirit in the next seven sermons as well. And I trust that these guys will do a good job in that. So in closing this morning... I want to ask you, have you received the Spirit? The Bible tells us that the Spirit is given to the obedient. Peter said in, in Acts 2, uh, there later on in that chapter, in verse number 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you want to have the forgiveness of sins, you must, be, uh, you must repent of those sins and be baptized. You must be a believer in who, who Christ is, that he's the Son of God. And we must confess his name. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you haven't repented, if you haven't been baptized, if you haven't believed on Christ, who Christ is, if you haven't confessed his name, if you haven't been forgiven of your sins, then quite simply, you don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's a sought-after gift. It's a gift that we should all want. It's a gift that I want every one of us to have. Maybe it's that uh, you have received that gift of the Holy Spirit, but you're entangled with sin, and, and we all deal with sin. We all deal with temptations of this life. But our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we need to be holy because of that. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.